Well, Simply Jesus, that's what we're about this year, and that's our focus. We're focusing on the words of Jesus, and last week we looked at the first sermon of Jesus as recorded in the fourth chapter of Luke, and it was a sermon, man, it was a sermon that stirred the people up so much they tried to toss him off a cliff and kill him. And in that sermon, we came to learn that when it comes to standing before God, we've got ourselves a pretty big issue, and that big issue is sin. And because sin is a big issue, because it leads to death, it separates us from God, it makes us a prisoner, a prisoner of death. Romans 6.23 says, the wages, the result, what you get, and all you can ever expect to get of sin and from sin is death. And so sin oppresses us, it blinds us, it makes us poor, it makes us needy. Thanks be to God that Jesus came into the world to set the prisoners free, to give us back our spiritual sight, and to make us rich in spirit. Jesus saves us from the power of sin. So let's look at that entire verse, Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Speaking of that, quoting from the prophets Hosea and Isaiah, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is good news. Amen? Amen. It is. It is. Last week at the end of the sermon, I asked a question. And just to remind you what it was, my question was, what now, people? What now? We're set free from the power of sin, but for what? If we trust in the name of Jesus, we're no longer separated from God, but what now? Well, the what now, you may remember, the what now is that we live as a child of the light. And we find that in Ephesians 5. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So we are going to live as light. And Jesus is light, so we're going to live as Jesus doesn't that remind you of another scripture verse we've been focusing on all year? Thank you. I mean, that was an obvious answer. Even if you didn't know, that's an obvious answer. Yes, look at it. It's 1 first, first John 4, 17. Say it with me. In this world, we are like Jesus. You're going to remember this before the end of the year. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So let's say it again. In this world... We are like Jesus. You don't even have to remember that it's 1 John 4, 17. Just remember that it's the Word of God. And the Word of God says in this world, we are like Jesus. And Jesus is light. So that was the question for last week. The question for today, I'm going to give you right up front here. Are you living like Jesus? Or, or is that your goal? Is it your goal to live like Jesus? Are we living as a disciple of Jesus? Are we following Jesus? Are we following the behaviors of Jesus, following the example of Jesus? Are we committed to Jesus? 
or are we just kind of curious? We just want Jesus to give us some, some stuff in this world. Do some stuff for me, Jesus. Do some stuff for me. To help us answer this question, we're going to look at the words of Jesus to some people that had been asked to follow Jesus. We're going to look at some words uh, that people had to Jesus, said, hey, I'm going to follow you, and we're going to consider some successes, and we're going to consider some failures, and we're going to consider a failure who became a success. But first, let's go to John 6. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they wanted to be saved from their sins and no longer separated from God. They worshiped Jesus every day because they were saved from their sins. Amen? Except that's not what it says. What it says is kind of the mindset of America. Do for me, Jesus. Do something for me in this life. They followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Forget all this sin self separates me from God. Just do some miracles. That's what we want. And those people represented the earliest form of the prosperity gospel. Many of them weren't worried about being separated from God. They just wanted to see the sick be healed. And don't get me wrong. Because if you've ever had a loved one, and some of you have, and some of you do now, and I know, I know the feeling. If you've ever had a loved one so sick that nothing was working, you'd go to great lengths to find them relief. And if you heard that someone could heal them with just a touch, You'd do everything you could to get them to that person. So let's not be too harsh on those ancient people because they're just like us. Now, many of those ancient people, they really weren't bringing the sick. They were just curious. They just wanted to see the show. And I think those two groups, those who want some worldly prosperity and those who are curious, I think that represents a great many people in this country who identify as Christian. And if you fall into one of those two categories, I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here. Because when those curious and prosperity seekers came to Jesus, he loved on them. He healed what, who he could. He fed who he could. So I want you to know that being curious about Jesus is not a sin. It's just not where Jesus wants you to stay. That's all. And while we would all like a little bit more worldly prosperity, even maybe just fullness of health, ultimately that's not. Ultimately. And I want you to know this. Because some people, they follow, fall away from the church because my mother died or my, my husband or my wife died and, 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 and they... But Jesus didn't come for that. Everybody dies. Even the people Jesus healed and rose from the dead, they're dead. 
That's not what he came for. And he certainly, certainly didn't come to fatten your bank account. I can tell you that. He certainly didn't come so that you can get a new car or a bigger house. I don't care how many books that guy sells that tells you that. It's a lie. Jesus came to save you from the power of sin. But then he calls you to be committed to living as his child, a child of light. And so to help us identify where we are in our faith journey, let us note that in the gospel stories, there are a couple of places where Jesus calls disciples, a couple of places where, Jesus, where, where people say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, I'm going to follow, and, and Jesus calls them out. And we, we might want to look what that's all about. Well, let's go to Luke chapter 9, verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And that's what we were doing this morning. We were singing. I want the Jesus way. I want the Jesus way. And then the Jesus way says, well, I want you, uh, you know, I want you to go talk to that person at work. I know you don't like being around them. I know they get on your nerves, but I want you to just love on them. Do we still want the Jesus way? I want the Jesus way. I want the Jesus way. And we go to work and somebody at work is telling that off-color racial joke. Everybody's laughing and you don't say a word. You still want the Jesus way? As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. We can say we will follow Jesus. But sometimes Jesus leads us to places that we don't want to go. Places that make us uncomfortable. And Jesus, he knew that man's heart. And he knew he wasn't going to follow him into uncomfortable places. And so we should examine our Christian life. Are we willing to live as children of light even in the uncomfortable places? And that might mean around certain people or certain situations. Well, let's continue. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That sounds kind of harsh. That sounds harsh. But first you've got to understand something about that culture. Uh, let me go bury my father or my mother was an idiom. It was a saying. It was, it was, it was, it, what it meant was I have an elderly parent to take care of. And the Jews were different from other cultures because they had a command to take care of their elderly parents. And you're scratching your head and saying, which commandment is that? It's the one that wasn't written for little children. It was written for people my age. With elderly parents. And what command is that? Honor your father and mother. Oh, number five. Look at that. Kurt's got it going on. All right. Yeah. And so the Jews, when they had to take care of an elderly parent, oh, I got to bury my father. I got to bury my mother. But, but it still sounds harsh what Jesus said, but consider what Jesus is telling the man to do. He's not telling him, don't care for your parents. No, 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 leave, leave your parents alone. You know what he was telling him to do? I've got it 
bold and underlined. What was he telling them to do? Proclaim the kingdom of God. In other words, oh, you got to take care of your elderly parents? Okay, but I tell you what, I want you to proclaim the kingdom of God while you're doing it. You know, I want you to tell them the good news. I want you to tell them uh, that I'm Jesus Christ and I've come into the world to save them from the power of darkness. I want you to proclaim the kingdom of God. So if you are a Christ follower, like this man said he was, and if you're not prepared to proclaim the kingdom of God, then it is as useless as the dead burying their dead. It ain't going to happen. So perhaps something that we can learn from this exchange is that some folks are afraid of total commitment to Jesus Christ. They really are. Because they think, well, if I, if I uh, totally commit to Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to go on a foreign mission, or I'm going to have to serve on church committees, or I'm going to have to change some things in my life. You know what? If you totally commit to Jesus, I have no idea what that will mean for you. But God does. And he'll let you know. He will. But one thing I do know it'll mean for you is that you're going to have to live as a child of light. Through our life, through our actions and words, we should be proclaiming the kingdom of God in all areas of life. All areas. I mean, we should be proclaiming the kingdom of God in our homes and, and at work and at school. And dare I even say, at the ball game. Yeah, we should be proclaiming the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul put it this way, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Well, let's continue in Luke 9. Still another man said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So Jesus, he was talking about plowing a field, and they used to walk behind an oxen or a donkey or whatever animal they had. And if you weren't looking straight ahead, your furrows went like that. Now, today, that's not a problem because tractors have GPS, and, you know, there's straight line, and it'll turn right. when it's, it's crazy. But the point that Jesus is making is that if we want to be fit for service in the kingdom of God, if we want to be children of light and live like children of light, we can't take our eyes off the goal. And you know what the goal is? There you go. You're catching on. Jesus is the goal and we can't take our eyes off Jesus. And what Jesus is saying to this man there in Luke 62 is that sometimes even family pulls us away from Jesus. Don't toss me off a cliff. Jesus is saying that. Sometimes it's family that cause us to get off track. So how committed are you? Are you committed more to Jesus or those family members that distract you from being a child of light? How committed? And the Apostle Paul said, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. There's some other stories in the Bible of, of disciples being called. It worked out a little better. Matthew 4.18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. I'm glad they threw that in, for they were fishermen. 
Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out the fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Man, no matter where you are in your life as a disciple of Jesus, I pray that we can all come to this point. That when Jesus says move, boom, we move. We move. But discipleship is a lot like life. It's often a series of peaks and valleys. In Matthew 4 there, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, they were quick to answer Jesus. But then fast forward a few years. You go to the Gospel of John and there's this story of of Simon Peter the night that Jesus was arrested and he'd been following Jesus for several years, uh, but that night he ends up denying that he even knew Jesus. And he denied him not once, not twice, but three times. Man, that was a low point in his life. I suppose for all followers of Jesus, we've had a Simon Peter moment or two, amen? There have been those times when our words or our actions have told people we don't know Jesus. There have been times when our lack of words or lack of actions have told people we don't even know who Jesus is. But here's the good news. Thanks to Jesus, we don't have to be defined. Next slide. Thanks to Jesus, we don't have to be defined by our past failures. We don't have to be defined by our past failures. This is good news. You know, Simon Peter, he left Jerusalem after Jesus was crucified, and he felt like a failure. The Gospel of John tells us he went back to the family business. He was out there on the Sea of Galilee fishing until one morning he comes on the shore, and Jesus was camped out there, had a fire going, has breakfast waiting for him. And, and, and we read through that encounter, and we're going to read through it. Imagine Jesus is talking to you. You, you've denied him. Man, you've really messed up. And so, let's go. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? We don't know what these were. We don't know if he was pointing to the people, to the fish, that was his family business, his boat. We don't know, and I'm glad we don't know. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. See, that's us. We come to church. Yes, Lord, I love you. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He says, take care of my sheep. What that's really saying is I want you to live as a child of light. I want you proclaiming the good news. I want you to be like me in this world. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. To feed my sheep. So he, he says, I, I just want you to be like me. Be like me. Now, a lot of people don't read the rest of that story because they said, oh, that's kind of sad. No, it's a victory. It's a victory. Look, it, it, it says this. It, this is Jesus talking to him. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, went where you wanted, but when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and somebody else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. How was Peter killed? He was crucified. He was crucified. Upside down. And that's what Jesus is telling him. 
But Jesus is telling them that. He's telling them that because he's telling Peter, you are going to be victorious to death. You're never going to deny me again. People are going to lead you away and, and die, and you'll never, ever, ever again say you don't know who I am. So check this out. Let's, let's continue reading. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said, follow me. <laughs> Come on, people. This is great stuff. Peter, you're going to die for me. Follow me. I bet old Pete said, woo, let's go, Jesus. Are you willing to follow Jesus like that? I mean, really, if, if Jesus says, look, I, 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 I want you to tithe. Woo! Follow me! I guarantee you, 80% of you in here don't tithe. Follow me! Jesus says, I want you to love on those people that you just have a difficult time with. Follow me. Jesus says, I want you to forgive. And I want you to let go of that grudge. And I know you were hurt. And I want you to find help for that. But I want you to follow me. Jesus says, I really want you to live the Jesus way. I know how difficult it is. But follow me. Are you committed or curious? Where are you right now? Next slide. To those who desire to live as children of light, Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. Yeah, we might stumble and, and, and there might be times where we feel like a failure. But our past failures don't have to define us. No. Jesus just wants us to live as a child of light and follow him. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God. Man, we struggle sometimes, Lord. We struggle. Man, the, the, the call of of earthly things is, is so great. Sometimes it consumes us. Sometimes we live with frustration and we live with anger and it boils over into the way we speak, even to people we love. And sometimes we're just not a child of the light like there's more darkness forgive us Holy Spirit come down now and, and wash over us melt hearts of stone put a new and right spirit within us move us to be men and women that want to live for you that want others to see you through us. May we be people that love, that forgive, that are filled with grace and that make you a priority. We pray this 
In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen.